What's up you guys and welcome back to another video. If you are new to the channel here, my name is Brandon. As always, we do have our investing academy. It's that first link down in the description below if you're looking for courses and training right here in Canada. But I did a poll this morning asking you guys, the viewers, what types of videos you wanted to see throughout the month of September. And the pretty clear favorite was more stocks to buy content. And while that doesn't surprise me, you know, I gotta say I was a little, little sad. I hope this channel is more to you guys than just a, you know, I'm not just a hunk of meat here to give you guys stock picks, but I guess for a lot of you guys, I am. That is what I am. So you know what? That's fair. And I'm gonna do exactly that. I'm gonna give you guys what you're asking for. Today we got two stock picks, both traded on the TSX, so Canadian stocks for you guys to consider. As always, do your own research, do your own due diligence, and if you enjoyed, give this a thumbs up. But stock number one that we're gonna talk about today is the company Brookfield Asset Management. Ticker here is BAM.A.TO. They do pay a dividend, it's shy of 1%, so 0.92% dividend, and it trades for about $71 Canadian. Again, make sure that you're looking at the Canadian ticker here. This is a stock that for those that have been following the channel for a number of months now, or going back actually a year or so, I opened a position during the COVID pandemic. It was one of my top stocks that I was liking, and so far, very, very pleased with the performance. Now that said, I still think that this is a stock that is a great buy and hold for the long term. To take a quick look back at a bit of history, this stock has for years significantly outpaced the Canadian market. I believe it will continue to do so going forward. You can also feel free to pause this screen, which I find is a little interesting, kind of fascinating. It basically compares $1,000 invested in Brookfield. This is the American ticker, and it does even compare it against the S&P. And you see actually for a majority of years, they do outpace the American market as well. And for a brief overview of this company, if you're unsure of what this company is all about or what they do, maybe you've heard the name before, but you're not entirely sure. This is what we would consider an alternative asset manager. And what I love about this company is that you are getting actually a very extreme level of diversity across many different businesses, across many different areas of the economy. In particular, you're going to be looking at areas like real estate. You're going to be looking at areas like infrastructure, energy, private lending and private capital. That's actually just to name a few. You've probably actually heard of many of their subsidiaries or many of their you know smaller companies. You can always go out and invest in those alone. But Brookfield Asset Management is, of course, the parent company. As of today, this company is sitting on $625 billion in AUM. AUM standing for assets under management, essentially money that they have invested in assets or money that is uh, under their control. What's great about this company is that about half of that, in fact, a little bit more, 312%, I mean, 312 billion, these lie in fee bearing assets. So again, primarily a portfolios of real estate, infrastructure, renewable power, private equity, and credit, where they can essentially, you know, year after year, month after month, pull in this recurring passive income, which is a very, very reliable business form. You'll see over on the right side of this page, kind of how this breaks down. You are getting pretty heavy exposure into real estate and then a number of those other areas that I talked about. Some of the notable real estate projects that you may have come across in your research are projects like the Manhattan West development. In Toronto, you have Brook field place. They actually have those scattered around the globe. And honestly, if you just take a look at this map, they are very, very invested internationally. They don't just hold their scope to one market. They're looking across the globe, China, India, Europe, um, all over trying to find these high quality assets to just get under the belts and just retain under the Brookfield name. One of the more recent events with Brookfield is they did just spin off their reinsurance business. 
You may have seen the ticker BAMR for this. This was actually just as recent as the summer. But one of the things that I wanna really emphasize right off the bat is that this company does all sorts of things. And it's actually, to be honest, a quite a difficult company to fully comprehend and fully understand. And that's actually why we're gonna talk about something very important in just a moment. But to highlight their recent quarter, Here's a letter to the shareholders, $2.4 billion in net income, of which 1.2 billion was distributable to shareholders. Diluted earnings, we could look at that. More importantly, I think a number to look at here is FFO or funds from operation, $1.6 billion during the quarter. And I'm gonna to toggle over to another page, which I find these are some numbers looking at the compound annual growth rates over on the far right of this page that really do start to pique my interest. These are some very, very respectable growth numbers across some of their major divisions, distributable earnings, fee-related earnings. We've been seeing that tick up every year. Again, a major, major part of their business. They have the annual run rate, plus their total assets under management, all growing quite well. Now do keep in mind, if you have been following along, they did acquire a company called Oak Tree Capital, or at least take a major, major stake back in 2020, 2021. So these numbers are obviously gonna be reflected in here. And as I just touched on, this is a very, very tricky business to understand. And you know, as an investor, if you, you know follow the scene, one of the number one rules that happens, that's out there when it comes to investing in a business and you know knowing what's in your portfolio is exactly that it's to understand what's happening behind a business and i'll be flat out honest with you and just keep it real even if you tried to really understand all the nuances that are going on within this business i don't think you'd be able to i'll just say it flat out a normal person like myself or yourself would have a lot of difficulty understanding all of the deals that are taking place all of the financing um you know, mergers and acquisitions that these companies are going through and all the different divisions, it's very, very difficult. And often that can be a great sign to say, you know, if I don't understand it, I'll probably stay away. Brookfield, however, is a different case to me because this is a section where I'd like to highlight the management team. And what we were just looking at again was a letter to shareholders. This is something that management does each and every quarter, every year, they're very, very clear with their communications to the shareholders, which I think is actually very important. They at least try to explain to us to the best extent possible what is going on. They do an awesome job of that. Their CEO, a guy named Bruce Flatt, if you take the time to study this guy and learn about him, he is very, very focused on the long-term results of this business. In interviews, he will often go on and say, I don't care what happens over the next year or the next two years or the next three years. His vision for Brookfield is truly multi-decades out. In fact, I've heard interviews where he says when they buy a, an asset or a, a real estate property in, in Asia or Europe or India, he's literally thinking a hundred years out. That's the type of assets that, that Brookfield is trying to acquire within the company. And this guy alone has been with the company for about 30 years pretty much acting as CEO, uh, starting in about 2000, 2002. So a ton of experience and he's really driven this ship in a very, very good way. And this track record to me, you know, being through a couple of major recessions, he was with the company during the tech crash. He was also, of course, the CEO during the financial crisis. He's been through a couple of major downturns and steered the company in the right direction, which is for me, you know, when you look at a, a CEO like that and you look at the, the track record, the prestige of this, of this uh, management team, 
That is something that you have to rely on when you're looking at a company as complex as Brookfield Asset Management. And although that does technically go against the golden rule of investing, which is really understanding what you own, I think this is one of those outliers where, uh, you know, the history speaks for itself and the, the, the quality of this business, it didn't get to this point for by fluke or by no reason. Let's take a moment and look at the valuation metrics with this company because if you saw a stock with a price to earnings ratio of 32, which is what this company does trade at, I actually think this is a metric that can fool Brookfield investors because it's actually not the most accurate based on the way this company is functioning and how they own so many different types of assets. Price to cash flow to me is actually a better measure to kind of see how this company is trading at, whether it's trading in a fair range. And we see that today at 10 times. And yes, there has been higher periods in the past. There have been lower periods in the past. But I do believe that Brookfield is one of those very unique stocks. I kind of think of it like, in a sense, a Visa, which is another one of those outliers that is just such a high quality company that they're able to command these high prices. They trade at a premium yet investors and shareholders are still rewarded even when they are buying at we can call it quote unquote expensive prices so although the you know the the valuation metrics are obviously not as good as they were during the pandemic and they're not screaming you know huge sale this to me is a stock that you can buy and hold for the long term and when i say long term this is a position in my portfolio. I do own Brookfield Asset Management, as I mentioned, that I would put in the likes of my core holdings like a like a TD Bank or like a Brookfield um, or like a BMO or whatever the case is. The, this is one of those companies for me. So anywho, this is a stock that trades, as I mentioned, for $71.52, excellent management team, high quality business. And yes, you're not getting an amazing dividend, but they can just take that money and reinvest in more assets. And uh, the goal is that we'd see more growth on the capital appreciation side. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Moving along into our second stock for today's video, here's an exciting one for you guys. Much different type of company, but it's the company Synovus Energy. The ticker is CVE.TO, and you'll notice a much smaller market cap sitting at $21 billion. This stock trades for $10.82 with a 0.65% dividend. And if you have not heard about the company Synovus, if you've never heard that name before, if it's completely new to you, I don't blame you. This stock does not get covered really uh, on YouTube. I don't see any videos on Synovus. You don't often really see it on uh, you know any major media outlets either. It's a very, very unknown and I think actually underappreciated company because for a fun fact, this is actually the third largest energy company, sorry, not energy company, but in particular oil and natural gas production right here in Canada 
this company is now the third largest. And I say now because we're gonna talk about something in just a moment. But as a brief history, back in 2009, this company was essentially spun off or it was created back with the company in Canada. So they kind of split off and Synovus was set to be the company that was more focused on the oil sands. A couple of their big projects for those, you know, maybe in the field or over in Alberta who may know about these a little more than most, Foster Creek, Christina Lake are a couple of their big oil sands. They have actually four that they operate. They also do things like refining and transportation. They own major stakes in some US refineries. A couple of these are in Ohio, et cetera, et cetera. I have a nice chart that I can throw up on the screen for you. In more recent history, there was a big deal in the Canadian market that took place back in 2020 and closed in 2021. And that was the deal where they acquired Husky Energy. So as I mentioned, they are now the third largest Canadian oil and natural gas producer. We've all heard of Husky. They are now all under the same umbrella. And the name of the game with this company has to be at this current point, repayment of debt and running a oil sands company running an energy company is very very capital intensive especially when you're out acquiring new businesses and um, essentially trying to grow in that sense you do take on a lot of debt as of today or as of the last report the net debt for the company sits at about 12.7 billion but just over the last quarter they decreased that by one billion dollars just over the past three months or i should say you know looking back a few months over that period they decreased it by three months net debt at the end of the second quarter was 12.4 billion compared to 13.3 billion at march 3rd 2021 with nearly 1 billion uh, decreased primarily due to free funds flow of 1.3 billion so 1.3 billion dollars in uh, free funds generation or from operations uh, there's just some other nuances here as to how they essentially um, other methods, um, not less common methods as to how they generated that cash to pay down the debt. But if we do go down, deleveraging remains a top priority and Synovus expects to meet its interim net debt target of 10 billion within 2021. Assuming of course, current commodity prices and foreign exchange rates hold with a longer term target of $8 billion or lower. The company will prioritize the balance sheet after reaching $10 billion net debt. However, opportunities for incremental shareholder returns and investment in the business will be considered uh, around achievement of that interim target that they're talking about. And this is one of those situations with a stock where you may consider, you know, rather than waiting until this company goes through this execution of the debt repayment and they get into the strong financial positioning, while the stock is quiet, while it's kind of under the radar and while it's not getting much coverage, because we are seeing the company executing on their plan, they're operating well, they're taking their cash flow and they're paying down debt. It's investors that I think that take the risk to get in now that will actually reap the rewards of when this plan is executed, if executed properly. Because of course the stock market is forward looking and now is not the most you know sexiest time where they're paying repaying down debt. But when they hit their interim targets, I have a nice uh, slide that I can share up for you guys. As you can see, when they do move down to that $10 billion or their interim debt level, they do start to put some of this allocation of cash flow into things that will actually more or less benefit us, uh, either increasing shareholder returns through increased buybacks or bumping up the dividend, or of course, just reinvesting in the business. When they get to their longer term goal of getting net debt down to 8 billion, well, we just see that increase. So for those that haven't been following the company, this stock FYI, it did pay a much nicer dividend previously than it does today. 
they did cut that down to really set the priority on debt repayment. But going forward, the company has stated, it's been quite clear that they have plans to increase that dividend. And when the time does come that they do announce these dividend increases and they're in a position to do that, it's the shareholders that are currently holding the stock that kind of went through that ride that would likely be rewarded the most. One other thing to mention, of course, is that as time continues, and we are seeing this play out now as well, is that the synergies that are coming through this Husky deal they are already being seen and being a year or so into this merger we are already seeing these take place uh, in the workforce reduction 400 million dollars in saving they're expecting to achieve in 2021 600 million in sustaining capital allocation uh, essentially just optimizing their operations here as a unit and by the end of the year they're expecting about a billion dollars in synergy as you can see expected into 2022 about a 20 percent increase on that number and again this is all just piling back into the company as they continue to operate as they have. Once this debt is repaid, I think this is going to be a very, very fair stock to consider for those that want to take the dabble into the energy space. So Synovus, as I mentioned, is trading at $10.82. This is a underappreciated energy play in Canada. I would just say, hey, don't sleep on it. Again, not our most common type of pick here. And as you can see from the share performance, not the prettiest past. But looking at this point going forward, I am actually more bullish, more optimistic than I think a lot of people would be. The dividend is not meaningful for now, but in a few years, I think it may be a very, very different story. But those are our two stocks to buy for this video, guys. If you enjoyed, please take a moment and drop a big thumbs up. Clearly, these, these are the videos you guys want, so I'll pump them out for you guys whenever, whenever I can. And today, I really did a hard job. It was tough, but... I made sure that it was a Canadian focused video, just the TSX stocks for you guys. I do have a few others that I could absolutely talk about in the US market. I'm liking stocks like Lockheed Martin, Alibaba, you guys know the gist of it. More or less, those could be our honorable mentions, but maybe I'll do a separate video on US stocks if that's something you guys want. You can always leave a comment down below. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, please take a moment and subscribe and make sure that you also hit the bell for notifications. That way, when I make a post like this, you're gonna be the first ones to, not to be notified. If you are looking for courses and training, you wanna learn more about the stock market, you wanna consider our private membership group or our video training courses, you can learn all about that by clicking the first link down in the description below to check out our investing academy. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.